before we dive into uh, Psalm 113 and 114, I actually, I really want us to get personal um, with God. I want us to to make the the scripture personal. I want us to bring it into our own personal circumstances, situations, things that we're facing. And I want us to take all the prayers and all the cries of our hearts and remember that nothing is impossible for our God. And what we're going to do is we're going to enter into a little bit of discomfort together. And this is just the reality of every Christian. It really is. We're going to wrestle a little bit the tension of praising before our breakthrough. We're going to wrestle, even as we dive into this Psalm, with giving God praise even before we see the breakthrough. Because the truth is, and the title of Psalm 113 is, Who is like our God? And that is very true. Who is like our God? Yet there is a tension, and I'm sure you can relate, that there's a tension to how God shows his power, how he chooses to show us his power. There's a tension in that because it doesn't always go the way that we would want it to go. And so I'm literally, I want to invite you to sit in some discomfort in your own personal situation as we dive into Psalm 113 and 114. The tension of why don't all of our prayers get answered? Why doesn't God necessarily respond the way that we could if he is all powerful and if he can do anything and if anything is possible with him? Let's sit in that tension and that discomfort today in a personal way. And so um, in Psalm 113, it's actually a short hymn of praise and it celebrates the way in which the great and majestic God who rules over all takes notice of the lowly. And so right there, we just see this contrast already. God is great, almighty, all powerful, and yet he cares and is attentive to us who are lowly in contrast to him, in contrast to his holiness, in contrast to his power, we are quite lowly and yet he takes notice of us. And for this, he is worthy to be praised. Now, Psalm 113, all the way to 118, it's actually called something, it's actually called the Egyptian Halal. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but Egyptian Halal, which means praise. And the word Egyptian is there because there's a later connection with Passover. And this came to be a regular part of the great festivals and the liturgical year for the Jewish people, for the children of Israel. And this is so, so, so cool. These Psalms, in fact, Psalm 113 was likely the hymn that Jesus and his disciples sang at their Passover meal. Now, when I read this, I I felt immediately this closeness to Jesus. Like if this Psalm that we're going to read together as a body of Christ, as followers of Jesus, we're going to read the exact same words that Jesus sang with his disciples on the Passover. I just felt this immediate closeness to him and how close this word is not only to our own heart, God's word to us, but also that Jesus practiced this very same word that we're reading tonight. And just out of curiosity, I thought, I wonder if what this song, this singing might have sounded like. And so I just went to YouTube and I typed in halal, like uh, Egyptian halal, Psalm 113. And there actually was on YouTube, and I didn't have time to do more research to find out how verified this was. So again, if it's not exactly <laughs> verified, I, I can't, I, I, I didn't have time to go into all of it, but 
I did find a rendition. It's only one minute long and I want to play it for you of um, somebody who actually found music uh, that was in the, when the temple was destroyed the second time from 3000 years ago, and they took this music and they put it together and they sang it with the halal and it could have been the exact hymn and song that Jesus would have sang with his disciples. So I just thought I'd play it just to bring a little bit of history into this, this time with us today, but also just for us to open up our heart to the traditions of old, which we're so connected to in our faith. So I'm going to play this for you. just thought that was beautiful and I just wanted to uh to connect with that and and show you that today so yeah I love that all right so that was Psalm 113 sung in Hebrew very very cool all right let's pray Lord we just pray that you would bless the reading of your word today and we invite it to be fuel to our souls we want it to feed us in a deep place. And God, we ask you to help us to connect to the discomfort of our own circumstance and our own reality with the truth about who you are. Would you elevate us out of our circumstance to see who you are and bring revelation um, in that space personally to each one of us today, I pray in Jesus name. Amen. So what I'm going to do, you guys can open up your Bibles. Um, again, Psalm 113, Psalm 114, and I'm actually just going to read through both of the Psalms, one after another, and then I'll unpack some different thoughts that, uh, that I pulled out from those, those two Psalms today. Psalm 113, who is like the Lord, our God, praise the Lord, praise, O servants of the Lord, praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above the nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God? Who is seated on high? Who looks far down on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and he lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home making her joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. 
Psalm 114, tremble at the presence of the Lord. When Israel went out from Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of strange language, Judah became his sanctuary, Israel his dominion. The sea looked and fled, Jordan turned back, the mountains skipped like rams, the hills like lambs. What ails you, O sea, that you flee, O Jordan, that you turn back, O mountains, that you skip like rams, O hills like lambs. Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turns the rock into a pool of water, the flint into a spring of water. Psalm 113 starts with praise the Lord, praise, O servants of the Lord, praise the name of the Lord, blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore, from the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. And so what we can see in Psalm 113 is that it begins and it ends in praise from the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. And I started to think about how there are these rhythms and these practices that have been forgotten over time and over century. And it seems like sometimes, and I don't know if you guys sense this or see this or feel this, but that the more progressive we think we become as a society, as humanity in, you know, growing in self-awareness and consciousness and emotional health and spirituality from generation to generation, that often what happens is this cyclical thing that we, we hunger to be brought back to the fundamental practices and disciplines that lead to spiritual flourishing. It's like those those rituals and those disciplines turn into religion and then we reject them. And then we want, we, we reject them for so long that we start to hunger back for these practices. And I think in this Psalm, what we see is this idea of starting and ending every single day in praise as the sun rises. What if we praise to the Lord as the sun sets? What if we praise the Lord? regardless of what happens in the middle of the day, what happens in between the rising and the setting of the sun. You know, we see in the Muslim faith, they kneel down and they pray five times a day, five scheduled times of the day. Even in Jewish law, we see three times a day that you stop everything you're doing and you kneel down and you pray. They pray through a prayer book and the scriptures call us to pray without ceasing. How, However, I do feel like there is something that we can learn from the practices and the rituals that allow for us to stop what we're doing, rest, reflect, praise, and sort of reset into the daily rhythm of bringing God into everything that we do. In verse four, we see the Lord is high above the nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord, our God, who is seated on high, who looks far down on the heavens and the earth he raises the poor from the dust and he lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. And so though God is on high, he looks at the lowly. And so we see in this section that there, there develops this universal theme 
of in in this surprising way that this God who deserves to be praised by all of mankind, who is seated on high, ruling over the entire world, yet he looks far, far down, raises the poor from the dust. And literally the imagery describes, you know, the, the most extreme kinds of circumstances, you know, the man who is literally so poor, he is nothing but an ash heap. Or we see for the Israelite woman to be barren, you know, was an absolute misery at that time. Yet God provides this imagery for his tender, loving care for his loved ones. God's majesty never implies his remoteness from those who look to him. Instead, it shows us his exhaustive attention to detail and inexhaustible ability to care for his faithful. We actually see in verses seven and eight um, that they overlap with 1 Samuel 2, 8 as part of Hannah's song. So when it's referencing the barren woman, it's literally pulling from um, Hannah, the story of Hannah. In, uh, in verse 7, um, it also reminds us as it talks about just the, uh, the lowly and, and the, being in the lowest place of our life, we see that no one better exemplified power yet attentiveness to the needy than Jesus himself. God made flesh who walked among us, and he shows us that in everything that he did. Now, Psalm 114 and Psalm 113 are actually very connected, even though they seem quite different. Uh, they even have different literary styles, uh, the way that they're written. They're actually very, very connected. So Psalm 114 starts, tremble at the presence of the Lord. And I'm just going to read it one more time and then dive into a little description. When Israel went out from Egypt, the house of Jacob, from a people of strange language, Judah became his sanctuary, Israel his dominion. The sea looked and fled, Jordan turned back, the mountains skipped like rams, the hills like lambs. What ails you, O sea that you flee? O Jordan that you turn back, O mountains that you skip like rams, O hills like lambs. Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turns the rock into a pool of water, the flint into a spring of water. And so this hymn of praise celebrates the special status of God's people in his plan. <clears throat> Excuse me. The Lord is the one in even whom all nature obeys and even trembles before. And yet he's chosen Israel to be his own. He exerts his power on their behalf. The Psalm mentions the Exodus from Egypt, the covenant at Sinai um, that made Israel to be God's dominion, the crossing of the Jordan River under Joshua's leadership, and God's provision for his people as they traveled through the wilderness. And when the believing congregation sings this, they're better able to accept their current circumstances under God's governance as well. And isn't this our prayer? Well, maybe it's not our prayer yet, but I think this should be our prayer. And this shows us in this Psalm, Lord, help us to accept our circumstances under your governance, under your Lordship. You are Lord, even over my circumstance. And so this Psalm uses personification describing the Red Sea and the Jordan River as if they fled from God, the mountains skipping like lambs, the earth trembling at God's presence. And the imagery is conveying how powerful the Lord is. Even the strongest natural forces would not dream of resisting him. However, the events in the Psalm are not simply displays of raw power. God uses his power for the sake of his people. And so you see in these two Psalms, God 
talking about the individual circumstance, very personal situations of difficulty and struggle. And then you see God speaking on behalf of an entire people and what he brought them through and his care and attention to both of these. In Psalm 113, we see this sort of unsettling reality. Now, there is a comfort that we can find in knowing and trusting that God sees the lowly, that he sees us um, in the midst of what it is that we face every day and what breaks our heart and the things that we go through, our brokenness, our pain, our hurt, our anger, our sadness, our frustrations, our losses. And the psalmist wants us to praise God for what he can do, who is like our God. Yet often we fall prey to believing that, you know, we understand how life works and we understand how God works. And if we just pray hard enough, or if we just live righteous enough, or if we just do all these, you know, and put these things behind it, God is going to come through for us. But what we see contrasted in these Psalms of praise is the reality that God can do the impossible. He's mighty and he's powerful and nature itself is terrified of this might and this power. And he uses this power for the sake of his people. And for that, he deserves our praise. However, we've read the story. We've read the stories that, that are even being praised in this Psalm. And we can see that actually the stories don't actually turn out how I think the people imagined that they would, even the stories that we're reading about. Yes, God is mighty and powerful, but God, again, is leading us to a place of letting go of trying to figure out how life works, how God works, why some people get their prayers answered and why other people don't. God's plan is unfolding. We are part of that plan, but we can get messed up along the way if we start to believe that our plans are greater than God's plans. Why is God not intervening in my situation? Why am I having to endure so much suffering? Can we trust that God has a plan in the midst of all the things that we go through? And so Psalm 113 is leading us to put our faith in what God can do, regardless of what he does do. And I know this is unsettling because in our sinful nature, it always desires to rule us. And so it leads us to this place of wanting to always weigh into what we think is the best thing, what we think is the best outcome, what we think is good and what we think is evil and we think God should do and shouldn't do. But what if living in this tension, in this sort of unsettled place is the very posture that encourages us to that we might see God's miraculous power that otherwise we would not be positioned to see. You see, when we're focused on a specific outcome of something we're praying for, we can actually miss what God is doing in the midst of our situations. And so we've got to be open to God's surprises and expect the unexpected because that is who God is. It's God who decides when to act and we want to be ready when he does. But I mean, even the very nature of expecting the unexpected, how do you even do that? How can you expect something that you can't expect? I mean, it's the very also cyclical nature of faith in, in and of itself, right? At putting your faith and trust in something you can't see or touch or something that has not yet happened, something you can hope for. In Psalm 113, we see it addressing individual suffering. The greatest kind of suffering that one might see being poor, being unable to provide for your family, being barren, being unable to provide children for your family, 
but it's a reminder that God actually does see our very personal and very individual suffering. And he is not too busy to care about what breaks our heart. But then what we see contrasted in Psalm 114, as the text begins to orient to God moving on behalf of the whole community. So it goes from individual uh, specific things to the entire community. And it's one thing for us to read these stories after the fact. Yes, God did do all of those incredible miracles, all of those acts of power, signs and wonders, everything that he did to get his people free. But it sure didn't look the way that the people thought that it would look. The promise did not come to pass the way they imagined. In fact, they lived a life of great suffering, of war and pain and hunger and loss and fighting for every single piece of ground. Yet God's great power led and sustained them, but it was hard every single day. At the end of um, Psalm 114, we see this reference to a pool of water and a spring. And that comes from Isaiah 41, which is a promised provision for the poor and the needy, which brings us back to Psalm 113 as a way of describing the coming restoration and the bringing people back from exile. And so this psalm is a reminder of what God did once for his children, what we see him repeatedly do again and again through the rest of scripture and reminding us that this is the kind of thing that God does for his people. And so we can be rest assured that God will do it again. And so I want to just take a moment and I just want to pray for us. And I just want to pray for the circumstances that are very real on our heart, the things that we're carrying, the weights that we're carrying, the heaviness that we're carrying, the stresses and the pains and the brokenness and all of those things. And we want to bring that before the Lord and we want to trust him. We want to have an exchange today, an exchange of uh, trusting God, God's will, and being able to see that he can do the impossible. He absolutely can, but trusting in what he will do is what we need him to do and what he needs to do. And we're part of something much, much larger that is unfolding. So father, right now we do, we just take um, our circumstances. We take the things that are on our heart, the things that we're praying for, the things that um, we're believing for, the things that we are struggling in, um, and we ask you to release us from even the very prayers and outcomes that we pray that would limit your provision and your power. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to posture our hearts on your great might and your great power and trust you to act as you will. God, we ask for an exchange today that we can trust that your plans are greater than our plans and that we would yield our hearts and that we would yield our spirits to your plans and to your ways. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.